0: All right. I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got former UCF standout and longtime NFL defensive end Lejean Dusseault. Lejean has everything going for you. It's going
1: good, Zach. Man, thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely appreciate you taking the time. So I've, I've got a quick question for you that I just thought of literally two minutes ago, and I'm not sure if you get it all the time or you've never gotten it before. What was it like playing in the East-West Bowl?
1: Uh, well, actually, I played in the um, Texas versus the Nation. No, I, I-, I mean with Key and Peel. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, It was cool, man. Um, <laughs> I remember it was my first year in New York and we did it and the Super Bowl happened to be that year. And when they asked me to do it, I was like, hell yeah. You know, Ken Pell was one of my favorite shows uh, back then. So it was a no brainer for me. What was that whole situation like? Did you, do, you, do you get to ask that all the time or not? Well, I, uh, the funny thing is, like, I got asked it a lot, like right after the episode aired, and probably like uh, a couple years after, because they would repeat, you know, show yeah. every year, full time. Um, but uh, like the last like four or five years, not really. I haven't really been asked that question a lot. But uh, it was it was an amazing experience. I mean, and me and a few guys with unique names, yeah. and of course, aaron, you know, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Um, so to, to be in that that category with those group of guys was was amazing. What which of their made up names do you think is the best? Fudd.
0: <laughs> I was listening to what did they say, uh, Strunk Fluggett. I'm like, I'm like. No. Yeah,
1: that name I couldn't even try to pronounce if I wanted to. So I wasn't even going to go with that one. But I think Fudge just was, was a good name. It was just the way he said it. it was like, Fud. but that was, that was, do you, do you think they stole uh, Chappelle's show? You know, it's crazy people. <laughs> and even Dave Chappelle actually commented on this in one of his comedy. uh, comments, uh series and when he did a stand up he was like i had to watch key and pill literally steal my damn show while i was away and um i say that they were probably inspired by it i'm not saying they stole the show but i think there was definitely a need for that once chappelle left and i think they kind of picked that up and, and took it and ran with it
0: yeah i think stump tv and robo click doesn't get the shine he deserves so. yeah yeah so, yeah, so how's everything going? It's a wild world we're living in, pandemic. Hopefully we're getting this
1: under control. But How's everything been for you? It's been good. It's, like you said, it's just been a, the new normal, right? Yeah. It, like trying to adjust to the new normal. And, um, you know, I've, I've been blessed. I've been able to, you know, still do, you know, all my media media stuff, calling the UCF games. Oh, and cool. And, uh, you know, I was on track to, to probably work for Fox or ESPN. But, you know, with, with what's going on, I've had to let so many people go. So I also was able to start my, my, my training company, which was another blessing. Oh, cool. You know, I trained a lot of pro guys, trained some high school guys, some college guys. So it's, that's been going really well. And then I have my podcast and then I yeah. also have my cooking thing. So, you know, I really was able to dive in a few of my passions because of this time off. Usually I would have been traveling back and forth, you know, to UCF, which I'm still doing, but also I'd have been traveling a lot to New York and LA to, to work with NFL Network and then work with that. And uh, you know, unfortunately, because of what's going on, everything's been virtual. So I've been, you know, like sitting right here in front of this laptop, like everybody else. (laughs) So I want to ask you about your cooking show. What's the most
0: out there thing you can cook that you cook well? Hmm, out there thing.
1: I mean, it depends. What What is What is out there for? Like, I don't know if you've seen Serge Baca's show, and he he, so so people ask (laughs) me and compare our stuff all the time, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm not eating snake snake. I'm not doing any of that. Like, no, I don't. I'm I'm a pescatarian, so I mean you won't get any really you won't get me chicken or none of that on my show. But I actually, I eat a, a whole bunch of different seafood. So you know oh, cool. you'll see you'll see scallops, you'll see you know all different types of fish, flounders, sea bass, um, haddock. Um, uh, I'm not a big salmon guy. I'm mainly like I'm not a salmon. I don't like. I think salmon salmon's very overrated in my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and, and health value, it's overrated. Yeah. So I eat a lot of grouper. Oh, so stuff cool. like that, uh, you'll see on my show, uh, I'm gonna start trying to get into more oysters and stuff. Oh, cool. that, that might be as exotic as I get. And the thing is, I always try to cook my stuff with a little flair and a little different twist. So oh, I don't get, cool. you know, traditionally, I always try to yeah. uh, put my own pizzazz on it. Yeah. Cause when they, when they bring out like Fred Van Vliet and Siakam
0: and they open up, they get the cover on the plate and they're, and they're like, you can tell their heart is pumping and exactly. they rip it off and Pascal Siakam's like, nah, I'm like, I'm not eating that. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> That boy Baka man, he eats some uh, weird yeah. stuff. Yeah, no. It, it, I, I it, travel it. a lot, so I used to kind of be like that. Um, I really don't like how we produce meat in the United States is one of the main reasons why I stopped eating meat. But in other countries where it's more natural, I could, you know, see me potentially maybe, you know, you know trying to tidbit here and there yeah. you know, with different types of food. And yeah. I always want to embrace the culture when I travel somewhere. So if it's something that's, you know, a delicacy for them, I, I wouldn't mind yeah. trying to what did yeah. he say? Try anything once and the good things twice. That's right. No, yeah. remember, <laughs> He was making those smoothies and they were like, what's your secret? He goes, crickets. And they go, crickets. <laughs> 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 uh, that's maybe, maybe,
0: maybe that's why Kawhi left. Um, maybe <laughs> he was pu- he was pushing that stuff on him. He said they don't have that in L.A. I'm not dealing with that, stuff. So yeah. what, I want to ask you a little about your football career. So how, how did you how did you
1: end up at UCF? so um coming out of high school uh you know i had a few offers and I, re- I know i wanted to be in florida honestly i wanted to go to florida state and they didn't recruit me how i wanted them to like I wasn't like a, one of their main guys and you could feel it you know during the recruiting process who really wants you and so i decided um i didn't want to go to usf they recruited me i wanted to be away from home and everybody i knew from home was going to usf so i was like well i've been competing with against these guys my whole life i might as well compete against them in college so, you know, UCF was on the table. Uh, Virginia Tech was a team I thought about highly because of the educational value. I wanted to be an engineer coming out of high school. And Virginia Tech was a good school for that. Yeah. But then, you know, Blacksburg so far away. You <laughs> so, know, there's not much around. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. in
0: I'm in DC. This yeah. is such a different world. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so I actually took an unofficial visit to Blacksburg, like my sophomore junior and I was like, it's cool up here, it's just so far away, man. It yeah. gets cold. Like you, you go too far out, there's no Wi Fi. Like you, you better know where you're going. That's the type exactly of- so that kind of you know d- deterred me from going there. I even thought about Georgia Tech, oh. uh, they ended up taking another kid out of Tampa, uh, Jesuit instead of me. So when I went to take my visit to UCF, it just felt like home. I mean, they really sold it. This was I was part of O'Leary's first recruiting class. Oh, and then um, he talked about how we're going to have our own stadium one day. And we're going to be like the only team in Florida with an indoor and for the longest we were. And just everything he talked about, like they delivered on. So, um, you know, at the time, you don't know if it's going to be true or not, but it sounded amazing to me. And I knew I was going to be able to play as a true freshman. So, I mean, the, all those things really sold me on UCF. Was Danny White there when you got there? No, no, we didn't have him. We had a uh, Keith. Um, what was Keith's name? I forgot Keith's last name, but yeah. it was. Very, very Different, yeah interesting that's why
0: do, do you have a UCF national champions banner somewhere in your in your place
1: uh well I don't know if you see, you see my helmet right here <laughs> <laughs> national <laughs> champs because they they, <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't get the credit they deserve so yeah I mean well if you're in the state of good state of Florida <laughs> you know it's recognized as yeah you know them being national champs so we are gonna take that Which what, your
0: former some of the former UCF guys that are in the league now are you are you did you expect to see have great careers um while I was
1: playing or the guys that are there now
0: like uh that are in there now like watching on Sundays you're like oh yeah I saw that coming
1: well I I knew Shaquille Griffin was going to go at a high level of the corner um it just sucked for him that he didn't get to really partake in the, the, the the true success that UCF is at now and I mean he had a few conference championships while he was there but um his 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 Last year was his first year with, with Scott Frost. And, you know, the next year is when they ended up going undefeated. So his brother really got to, you know, really partake in all of that. And he only got one year of, you know, I want to say mediocre because it was a, it was a, we were laying in the forefront of what 2017, 18 would be, you know, and 19 of winning, you know, double digit wins uh, three consecutive years in a row. But uh, I knew he was going to be a good player just because of his hype uh this physicality at the line of scrimmage and the speed. I mean, he's a blazer. kid runs a 4-3. I knew he was going to be a problem. Uh One player that I'm looking to take to take the next step is Traquan Smith. I thought he was going to be a – he's, he's had flashes.
0: He's had flashes.
1: And I'm looking for him to be like that number two behind Mike Thomas. And, you know, they, they went and got – um um, Sanders. They got Sanders. Tidey Wayne got Emmanuel Sanders this year. And, uh, you know, and he's had a couple games where he's, where he's like really flash, and then yep. there's other games where he's not there. Yep. Another kid I thought was going to be really good it came out the same year as Traquan was uh, Aiken, the, the tight end, and he was playing really uh, well. Out of Houston? He got out of Houston. Before he got hurt, he, I felt like he was playing really well. And, um, you know, not contract year this year, next year's contract year, but, you know, your third year kind of sets you up four year contract gear. So, I mean, it sucked to see him go down because I felt like he was starting to really find his footing in that offense with Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, these these are a few players that I thought, you know, we're gonna play and I think Mike Hughes has had some up, ups and down. And the thing that sucked about him I mean, he was kind of hurt, you know, banged up yeah. coming in with an injury, he got hurt towards ACL his rookie year. And I think that's, that's hurt, like stunted his growth a little bit. But um, I felt like, especially that last driver, Seattle, when, when they put him on Metcalf, he really, you know, showed up and shut him down. And then Metcalf scored the touchdown, but he wasn't on Mike Hughes. Hey, that's that's like, all that counts.
0: That's all that yeah,
1: matters. On Mike. I felt like Mike played well. I mean, but that defense has just kind of been maligned this whole year. It's not really a Mike Zimmer defense that you've seen in the past. So I mean, those are those are a few of the guys that I looked at and you know, people talk about Blake Bortles. I think he got a bad rep in Jacksonville because the man had, what, four different coordinators? A quarter, a quarter
0: away from the Super Bowl and he's from, somehow he's on a practice squad. I don't know. And
1: I still think he holds the record for completion percentage in the playoff game versus Pittsburgh. <laughs> so people talk crazy to him, but I think Jalen Ramsey and a few of the players said it best. I mean, I, they felt like the coaching staff got scared and they didn't want to put that the game in his hands, and they should have because he was playing at a high level that game already. So I mean, those are those are a few of the guys, and I think this year coming out, you know, I think Richie Grant will be another one that has a long career. Aaron Robinson, to me, is going to be the highest um, drafted player out of the American Conference at at nickel, which is crazy. Who would have thought a few years ago that nickel corners would probably go second, third round? But he's a guy that that most likely will go second and third round because if you look at your nickel guy, he's got to be able to play the Sam in the box when it's run, and he's got to be able to cover. Um, the quick shifty receivers, and you got to think most of the NFL is three wide for like seventy-five percent of their plays. Yeah. So a nickel corner is practically a starter on your team. So teams are, you know, we have really elevated that position and treated treated it as a starting role on your team.
0: Yeah. So, so for your experience there, what was what was that like? Was there an adjustment period for you? Or was it was
1: relatively easy to get going from when you from high school to UCF for you. Oh, there's a huge, I mean, there's a huge adjustment from high school to college, college to the NFL, and they talk about the speed of the game, and yes, the, the speed, you know, ramps up a lot, but I think the biggest thing from high school to college is just like, you're literally playing in high school and you're a kid, right? But we, Once you get to college, you might not know it, you're a grown man, man, and you're playing against 21, 22-year-olds, sometimes 23-year-old grown men out there, and I think there's an adjustment period because the, the, the strength of players, right, the speed of players, and you know, everybody was that guy at their high school, just like in college. When you go from college to the NFL, everybody, we got to think everybody in the NFL was their guy on their college team too. So there's definitely an adjustment period. Just I would just say the terminology, like high school, everything's simplistic, Uh learning different defensive schemes, and even on offense, the terminology of plays, that's a big difference from high school to college. I mean, there might've been a, a number on a wristband and you knew this was uh zone right and this was zone left. Well, no, there's a long play in high school and college that you have to learn. And then on offense, you you know, each thing is broken down to what the O-line does, what the receiver does, what the back does. And once your part is, you know, the quarterback tells you your part, you kind of, uh, I've talked to off, a few offensive the players, they say kind of tune out the rest of the play <laughs> because they know exactly what they have to do. But on defense, you got to, you have to know the different terminologies and then you got to know the adjustments off that when if something changes mid play. So those are the biggest differences. Were you? I'm sure every kid wants to be in the NFL. Why did somebody else bring up to you and say, "Hey, you got a shot"? I don't think anybody came to me and said I I told myself I was going to get to the NFL, and uh, as I told you before, I wanted to be an engineer coming into to you know college originally. But I also, I think around like eighth, ninth grade, I I started telling my parents, you know, I'm going to play in the NFL, and. You know, most parents don't want to technically hear that because they want (laughs) you to have, you know, a set plan and more realistic, you know, quote-unquote realistic. But um, my dad has always had a a saying for me that says, uh, how bad do you want it? And what are you willing to do to achieve? And that's always stuck with me. And it's something that to this day, I I tape on the back of my, you know, master bedroom door and and look at it before I walk out every single day. And that's how I just view life. I mean, if I want some. Bad enough, what am I willing to do to get it? What am I willing to sacrifice to get it? And I knew nobody was going to outwork me. You know, I went I went the hard way, right? I drafted free agent, made it 10 years in the NFL. Um, I, I believe in my position, there was only two guys that outlasted me. Um, Who? Chris, Chris Long, and I know their names. Chris Long. And William well, his Hayes.
0: dad played. That's Hayes. why he outlasted you. So yeah.
1: <laughs> three years. It was, it was three players. Chris Long, William Hayes, and then Calais is the last, last one. He's still playing right now. Class Clam was the last D lineman in our class still playing, and uh away Class.
0: Wow, that's wild. I think he just got named a Defensive Player of the Week.
1: He did. I think oh three sacks hey. versus three sacks versus Philly. He went it went off.
0: <laughs> that's wild. So I have a question. So going into your senior year, what what did they say? Did they say hey, like Do you have a shot at getting drafted, or did you say you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work harder than the
1: next guy? Well, no, nah, we're going. Uh, you say going into senior or after senior? In, into senior year. Well, going into senior year, I was already on the, the watch list for East West uh, for senior bowl and a few other things. I, I just was just all conference the year before in our conference. So uh, they didn't really I don't remember looking up projections because I was I was kind of like locked in to the season. And uh, I was going to make everybody believe. But I know as the season was going on, a lot of teams had me projected to go in third through fifth round. And, um, you know, that didn't happen you know, and I wasn't going to cry or spill milk. And there was guys that were, you know, I don't talk about, like to talk about a lot of players' games, but there was guys that were getting called to get drafted from colleges I had never even heard of. And I was like, what in the world? But I was like, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. You know, God put me in this position, I'm going to just outwork everybody. And 10 years later, like I said, there was only only three guys. And, and two of those guys, uh, one of those guys won the second round, Calais, who should have won the first, and another one, won the top three picks. So uh um, not, <laughs> not shabby if if you look at it that way, right? <laughs> yeah. So 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 like so so
0: draft night. Did you did you know? Did did you sit through the whole thing or did you like? Uh, no, I, did I
1: sat you through the whole thing and it was different, right? Because like now it's three nights, but when I came out, it was just two. It was first, second round. Then it was the or it was actually it was first through third maybe first okay. through third and then four yeah four through seven. So it was long days. Like that was the longest Saturday and Sunday night of my life still to this day, sitting through every pick. And I, I mean, I, in my head, I was like, I might have a chance to get in the third. So I'm gonna watch, you know, and that didn't come. And then I'm sitting through fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, teams start calling me. And they are like, if you go undrafted, you know when i gonna come in. I'm like, undrafted? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's the sixth round. Like, you can still drive me. Like you have a pick, <laughs> like what, what's going on? Which, which lets you know, like when the sixth and seventh round comes, a lot of those teams that are treating those like undrafted picks technically because they've kind of already picked who they want to want to bring in. And it's usually like if a coach like wants a pick and he has like a, a, like a a favorite guy or position that he wants to target, then they they'll let the coach because most of the time the GM is picking, you know, most of the picks first through like fifth round, but sixth, seventh round, like, you know, sometimes they'll give a little leeway to the coach. Like if you, if you have a, you know, a flirt that's on this list, you can go ahead and pick them up here, you know? which, like I said, is crazy to me because I mean, it's something I think it's something special to be drafted. I I wouldn't know, but to have your name called to be one of the what is it, two hundred and forty-seven or yeah. whatever it is picks to be called, like that's that's something to really you know, lay your you know put your hat on and yeah. something you can tell your kids and grandkids, and uh, for them to be like, yeah, if you don't get picked here, but I'm and like, like I said, this was in the sixth round. This wasn't even the seventh round. So like, it was just baffling to me. You learn so much. About this game as you go through it, and you know there's things that you don't know going into it that you later learn. That you learn fast because you realize. And and I tell this with even high school kids now going into college, you have to treat this like a business. Like picking your school is not about like the the best whoever has the best uniforms or who has Nike, who has you know Under Armour, Adidas. No, it's it's this is the business. If you have aspirations of going to the next, it's a business decision. You can treat it as such. When you're on your visits, you, you tell them what you want, yeah. you know, demand what you want, because, you know, they're trying to get your services because once they get you in the building, all that goes out the window. Like yeah. they own you now. <laughs> like and that's how they really treat it. So it's like you have to treat this like a business. I have a
0: question. Why do you think it is that undrafted guys last so much longer than seventh rounders?
1: Hunger, 100%, it's hunger. It's because um, if you look at it, like a lot of us are pissed off because we feel like we should've got drafted and the predictions show that we should've got drafted and we didn't get drafted. So we're not gonna let anybody outwork us at that point Of you know, when it comes to that point. We're pissed off because we're like, I know I'm better than, and not to talk about anybody's game, like I said, oh. I don't like anybody's game, but it's like, I know I'm better than that guy. Yeah. And he got drafted, what, fourth, fifth round? I'm gonna outwork him and, that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna stick because yeah. as I've learned through throughout the NFL, if a guy gets drafted, he's gonna be on the team at least once one or two years. And that's that's seven rounders included. GMs love their draft picks and they you know they hold on to, to them too long sometimes. And it's because they don't wanna be made as or made as they don't wanna be looked as, as they've made a bad decision, right? So it's like those those draft picks are their kids. They're like guys that that probably shouldn't have been on the team for, for three or four years. They'll let, they'll let them, they'll keep giving them chances until they really, you know, hang themselves. So it's like, just because you outwork somebody or you play better, it doesn't mean you're necessarily made the team. But I learned this, there's 32 other, I mean, 31 other teams is looking at this film. And, and that's why I kind of felt bad, especially this year as an undrafted free agent, yeah. you know, guys, as far as them getting opportunities. Now, the good thing is the NFL did extend the practice squad. Yeah. So, so guys will be able to stick around maybe in the next year if they don't make the, you know, their team. They'll actually have preseason games where they'll be able to make other teams. But that's the one thing I really felt for 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 free agents. Like, cause I don't even know if I would have you know, made the team my rookie year if, if I didn't have preseason. I most likely wouldn't have made the team if I didn't have preseason because teams were actually able to see what I did and for for, for the, when I was with the Giants, they didn't want me to get posted. So they had to put me on active roster because uh, they had kept me on practice squad. Teams would have been able to came and, come and get me. So I really felt, I felt I felt for, you know, low low draft picks, six, seven rounds draft picks and also under the free agents because there was, I think, up to 16 people on practice squad now. So they can literally yeah. hide somebody on practice squad and you really don't know what they can do. Yeah, I don't think, what's his name? Josh
0: McCown was on what's he, one of those practice squads. He hasn't shown up yet. He's just yeah. chilling. At,
1: yeah, I, I would have loved to got that practice squad deal. I can you definitely be a football analyst for you, a defensive yeah. analyst for you, and I'll be ready if you need me. Just give yeah. me like two weeks to get back right, yeah. and then I can go. <laughs> I, I want to know who made the
0: decision to pull the trigger and Roberto Aguayo in the second round a couple years ago, because that one was like we we found the best wow. kicker of all time, and I don't know Tampa what he's doing. Thing, wasn't it? Tampa, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh like me, nothing, against, saying, Aguayo. He, nothing he against Aguayo nothing against Aguayo he really thought he was one of those kickers that could change the game because at Florida State he was he was kind of like he that, that guy yeah great but I still for as far as needs of when Tampa needed like you can't take a chicken like I think he would have probably been there in the fourth round like they could have took him and like even in the fourth round like there's value there like there's a lot of those guys in the fourth round are projected second round picks yeah so it's like Even then, I'm like, uh, do you take a specialist? To me, the the highest I would ever take one, he would have to be like how Aguero was, one of the top guys ever in history, not just that year, uh, would probably be the fifth round. That's where I would see a specialist of his caliber at the time going, like, I don't even know if he's playing football anymore, is he? I have no, I have no idea. I, I think instantly, him. and I remember he had a younger brother that was like. Yeah, they him. said, "Oh, he's better." I'm like, "All right,
0: so yeah. we'll see." I don't like, know.
1: Panned out either, huh? I
0: don't know. Maybe they're keeping their eyes on him. Brady's like, "Hey, I got a guy in waiting. Just don't worry." But <laughs> he's been practicing. He's at the high school where I was running during COVID when they were telling me not to. He was practicing with me. Um, now it, it's it's wild. It's interesting. It's, and I have a question. So, if you were playing this year, would yeah. you have any hesitation about playing college football? College or college,
1: or, like, college. It would just depend on what my status was. Uh, first and foremost, like if I was a guaranteed first round pick, then I don't know if I would have played this year. Um, but if, if it was, uh, you know, on a borderline of me going first or second round, then I most likely would have played. Cause honestly, um just, you know, talking you know, to the UCF coaches and seeing that we've actually been one of the better teams as far as like uh, keeping, keeping it level as far oh, as cool. cases. Um, like they, they, like some of the college teams have been better than you know opting out because they they really technically build a bubble around yeah. you know what the the student athlete is doing there and like literally you know straight from practice facility to the home and yeah you can go get food but you know there's no there's curfew and and everything like that so to me I would have you know I would have wanted to know what the plan and play was yeah. first and foremost especially if I had aspirations of going to the NFL because we actually had a corner opt-out that's going to probably go to the senior bowl and take out. Um, You know, it kind of hurt our secondary, but it's, I mean, he made the decision. He has a little daughter too, so, you know. Okay, that's understandable. understandable. Um, But we had two other guys that that, that I mentioned, Aaron Robinson, who was probably going to go pretty high, and then Richie Grant. Both of those guys could have opted out, and they decided to come back and play. And, um, you know, they both played well this year, and and there hasn't been any issues with them, knock on wood, as far as, like, the COVID, COVID cases. So, I would have to sit down with my family, and first and foremost, I would, you know, ask, sit down with the head coach and be like, you know, you know, I really want to play this year. I need to know what the game plan is, you know, from you know from the beginning to the end, like, and I want I want every stone turned over. I want to know if this happens, what we're going to do. What's the reaction to it? Because you know, I have a I have a little girl. You know, I I don't want to put her at risk. And then also, like, I think he would have to made a decision to probably not see his daughter for what four or five months, yeah. you know, just to be on the safe side. So I think at the end of the day, he made a decision. You know, was which was better for him and his family, and to sit out and just train. You know, you know, and get ready for for the Senior Bowl and also get ready for the Combine and, and everything else. Was we saw a lot of people, players do. You saw Marshall from um, yeah uh, LSU do it. You've seen uh, Gainwell from Memphis do it. Kid from of, LSU,
0: Chase. I think he's out.
1: Yeah, yeah, Chase, not Marshall. Yeah, Chase. Chase decided to 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 leave and, and opt out and you know the tackle from uh Oregon uh, I don't think uh so Sewell he's
0: he looks great he's gonna
1: be great. yeah exactly you know the Pac-12 is gonna I guess eventually play we'll see <laughs> and I think uh was it this week in the Big Ten I think know, so yeah back this weekend so a few players in the Big Ten out there. I know one the kid from Minnesota decided to opt back in Bateman and, right the receiver yeah he decided That's to opt too. back in and play so so we'll see I mean some colleges have been better than others. It's just hard to keep 18. We're looking at you, Florida. Looking yeah. at you. Oh, I had a tweet. Dan Mullen was complaining after the loss to Texas A&M and had the nerve to say that he wants to sell out crowd. And then lo and behold, clown emoji, clown emoji. This guy's team is the reason why they don't play LSU. And it looks like they might not be playing for a while. So I mean, for you to say something as ignorant as that when we when we know what's going on in the nation, right? Yeah. This is a, this is a health of it. has nothing to do about you being mad because you know Texas has probably bent the rules. The state of great Texas, great state of Texas has bent the rules more than any other state as far as letting fans in and letting people into restaurants and everything else. Just because you see somebody else doing wrong doesn't mean you should also want to do wrong. It's more it's more than just about the game of football. And, yeah. and Coach Mullen, I think, under understands that the hard way this week more than any. I got,
0: I, got, I, got, I got a hot take for you that I just thought of the other day. I've been noticing it at a lot of NFL games. and I don't know if it's true. I think it might be. You know how, I think the other day, nine of the 14 games had fans. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think anytime they do a crowd shot of the fans, the cameraman says, you guys got five seconds to put your mask on. We're about to be on national TV. And then <laughs> the guys who don't listen, don't put it on. But other than that, no one wears masks the entire time.
1: I can see that. I mean, you know, because sitting through a game three and a half hours with your mask on probably isn't yeah. the most comfortable thing ever. You're trying to get a pretzel in there? Honestly, no, that's not happening. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I honestly think that they actually have people walking through the stadium. I know, hope so. Mass mass patrols, what you probably call them, right? right. And uh, that's because they do pan to the crowd every so often. That's so. Paul Bort three,
0: <laughs> Paul Bort three, mass patrol. Get ready, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin James. I don't know if you heard it anywhere. Else.
1: Yeah, I've actually seen um, some fans not have masks on when they've been on TV, but it, it's crazy. You know, as long as you're eating or drinking, you yeah. don't have to have a yeah. mask on. But like, how far does that go, right? Yeah, that like when the, film, like the Eagles fans hours, are beating Eagles fans are
0: beating the crap things. out of
1: each other. I exactly. need a mask for that. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Playing the same league for three hours so you don't have to put your mask on. It's like, wild. It's like wild. Are they, really, are they really enforcing
0: the rules? <laughs> so I, have a, I have a question. So after the draft passes, how did you decide on going to Minnesota?
1: Um, just sitting down. Uh, the funny, funny story, we just played Memphis, right? Uh, Ryan Silverfield was a coach at UCF, and he happened to be going to the Minnesota Vikings to be the um, quality control coach. So uh, the D line coach calls me. and was like, "Yeah, Ryan Timberfield, show me your film." I, and it's, it's. I hope he doesn't take this the wrong way. He was like, "I don't know what took him so long to show it to me, man, because uh, you know you're a hell of a player." And I'm like, "Damn, I might have could have got drafted by this." <laughs> but now everything happens for a reason. I'm going yeah. to Minnesota, getting coached by one of the best D line coaches, Carl Carl Dunbar, who's actually the coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. D-line. Oh, cool. They got a pretty good D line, line. So you see how that D line's humming. So there's. There's a reason for that. And, um, you know, I was able to, you know, like I said, find a niche. And, and I actually was able to play with him for two more years uh, when he came to the Jets with Rex Ryan, which, you know, who I really associate myself with the New York Jets, because I was yeah. there the longest part of my career. Oh, cool. And so when you go from
0: Minnesota to New York, was, was it diff- like in a different atmosphere?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean it's New York City, right? I mean, and, I mean, just like
0: with the, with the expectations, even like with, with with the team and that kind of thing, just like kind of because Minnesota's never won before. Yeah, but, I mean, but they, they had year. a good
1: team that year and actually went to the playoffs. Um, true, this is the year. This is before Brett Favre got there. This was uh, when they um, they uh, I think I believe they might actually wanna might have won the division that year too, if I'm not mistaken. Because oh. uh, it was my my rookie Maybe. year. And we played, we actually, the funny thing is we played them week 17, right? We were already solidified the number one seed and um, all my old teammates were like, Hey dudes, man, I don't come with that bullshit. We just need to win this game so we can get in. And I was like, I'm not trying to hear that, you know, especially coming from there. They, you know, they let you walk out the door, you pissed off. I'm like, I'm not trying to hear that. Like, <laughs> but, uh, we, we actually started, you know, didn't start a lot of the starters. I, I believe Eli didn't even play that game. Um, the uh, plexico thing had just happened like three weeks before that. Uh the instance with, with the incident with the gun. What was your reaction when you first heard that? It was wild, man. Cause uh
0: he's on know. OnlyFans now. Yeah, huh? He's on OnlyFans. You're lying. I swear to God, look it up right. I, I, I promise you, you type in Plaxico OnlyFans, the link will show up.
1: I, I can I can't make that what up. What is he doing on there? I don't want to know. I don't <laughs> want to know. The funny thing is people always associate that with like somebody being, you know, a little, you know, risque, but, uh, I've actually, I don't say no people, but I've actually seen people that are really pubbing like, yeah, they're, know, up. And they're making be- money because they're yeah. puzzling their business on there because yeah. people automatically think that's what you're doing. And then once oh, you sure. go there, you're like, Oh, this is a cool concept. Da, da, da. I mean, I don't know if I want to be associated with that. I ain't got nothing against OnlyFans, so Don't come after me. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of people that go on OnlyFans before, I would say COVID hit was, we know, of, yeah. we, know, we know what they're doing. We know what they're doing. We know exactly what they were doing, yeah. right? Yeah. And no, it's, no, it's, was, it was, it was surreal when it, you know, you know we come to that team meeting room the day after that. And, um, you know, place was a good dude, great teammate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I still keep in contact with oh, him. Cool. And it was just, you know, it was just a misfortune, misfortunate accident that happened to him. Uh, um, But I think it kind of really derailed, you know, who we were. I mean, I, I feel like nobody could stop us at the time. And I was, I was so happy because for one, I was like, they just won the Super Bowl before I got there. So we have a chance to win again. We're the number one seed. Two, the Super Bowls in Tampa, where I'm from, hometown. I'm looking at it like I'm gonna be the man. You know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> going back home, made appearances because this is my hometown. Yeah. It's gonna be love. Man, we end up getting losing to, to Philadelphia in the division round. And then it's crazy because we beat them. That means Arizona has to come play us in the cold which, you know, they've been out there in Arizona. They they wasn't going to be built for that. And we would have made a run, I felt like. So, cause we had to buy, we had the first round buy because we were the number one seed. And I was like, man, I could put, you know, potentially get a Super Bowl ring my rookie year. Like yeah. it's crazy. That's wild. And then, so I have a question.
0: How did you react, how did you end up with the
1: Rams? Okay, Steve Spagnola was the defensive coordinator when I was with the Giants, right? And he left the next year and got a head coaching job with the Rams. So I made the team with the Giants my second year coming out the gate. And this was like, if there was like a David and Goliath story, this was it, right? So our D-line was already stacked. You know, uh, my rookie year, O.C. didn't play because he had ACL in camp. So we had O.C. coming back. Then we had Tuck coming back. And Tuck was coming off Pro Bowl year. Then Matthias Kimanuku, who they moved from Sam to defensive end, who was a first-round pick. So And then we still have Barry Cofield, to me, was one of the best nose tackles in the league. He was
0: on Washington. I remember him on Washington.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then Fred Robbins were, like, our starters before that next year. So going into my second year, uh, Jerry Reese decides to add Chris Canty and Rocky Bernard, who are two both almost Pro Bowl-type-like players, right? So everybody's looking around like, hmm, (laughs) yo, this D-line's out of control. And, and, uh, you know, Jerry Reese... Wasn't the GM uh, for most of those other guys? So like Barry and, and Fred and Justin and Osi, they were all from the previous regime GM. So you know how GM is. He wants, to, even though we had success going to the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter to them. No, I want this to be my team. It's kind of like if you, if you saw the um, the Bulls' um, last dance, right? Oh yeah. How that GM. Was it feels like. like it was six years ago that came out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like he was like even though they had all the success with Michael and them, you know, you know, and he and he helped get that team. He wanted it to be about him. He didn't want it to be about Phil. He didn't want it to be about Mike. So he decided to try to ride with Tony Kucoach right? Um, so it was similar to that. So we brought all those guys in and, um, and I made the team, which was crazy. I you know, was the last D lineman on the roster, but I made it. So the D line consisted of, it was Chris Canty, Rocky Bernard, uh, Barry Cofield, Fred Robbins, Matthias Kiwanuka, Justin Tuck, O.C. Umanura, Dave Tolleson, and then Lige Doosable. <laughs> literally, it was like that. And I was like, well, I, one reason I think I made a team is because I literally had probably the best preseason I had anybody on that team, not just behind oh. uh, that year. And they didn't want me to, 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 you know, to be on waivers because they knew there's no way that they were going to be able to keep me. Um so week one, you know, we're like I just say we're stacked on defensive line. Um, I'm inactive, I don't play because we're so stacked on defensive line. <laughs> um, so week two comes around, like we get three, three, not two, three running backs get banged up. Wow. So they come to me and they're like, yeah, we might have to put you on practice squad for a week. And I'm like, what? Like I didn't literally just got my place, you know, in Jersey thinking I'm about to be here, you know, all year long. And it's crazy. So they tried to put him on the practice squad. And then, you know, I called my agent. I'm like, yo, this is crazy trying to put him in the practice squad. You know, and then Michael Boley was coming off suspension. Our linebacker, they had just paid. They paid him. They brought him in in the offseason too. Um, so they were like, we need a spot because we got to, you know, bring in a running back. And Michael Boley's coming off suspension. Uh, so my, my line coach was like, man, you should be good. Because Fred, I think Fred Robinson got kind of banged up that game. At the time, I was playing end end tackle, so I was okay. like a utility guy. I could play both. Um, so he was like, Man, "I don't know how bad Fred is." So we actually probably might need you to play this week. So I'm like, "All oh, right," he's giving me making me a little feel a little easy, you know, a little bit better about the situation. Yeah. Um, but they called me, in, sure enough, I'm like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put your waivers, and we're gonna bring you back on practice squad." And I'm like, "Man, this is wild." So we that uh, the Rams actually reached out to us, and Spagnola was like you know, you know I, I saw what you did last year, I see what you did this preseason, you know, I, I think about you. I feel like, you know, you can play. So, you know, going to the Rams, because I didn't want to be, even though, you know, I felt like New York was such a great situation, I loved the city at the time, and the D-line group was amazing. Yeah, I didn't want to be, I felt like going to my second, I had to get film, I had to get game film. I didn't really play my rookie year, I was inactive every game because we were so deep. And I was like, I have to actually get some game film, or I ain't gonna be able to be in this league for that long. Like. So I just had to go to the Rams because so I knew I was going to play. Uh, we sucked, but, you know, I played, got my game experience, and then um, I, I can't tell you what happened, why I ended up leaving the Rams and going to Jacksonville. Really. Like, that was one of the craziest things I ever saw. But it all worked out well because, like, my NFL career really took off by my third year, and, you know, the rest is history. Uh, I never got cut again after that. Um, I had been cut what actually i take that back i got cut my 10th year <laughs> so from doesn't year, count doesn't from count. year three to 10 i had never been cut okay um yeah which is you know some people don't even play that long uh seven years in between yeah. um but my, but my first year it was bad like from from minnesota to the giants to the rams and then to, to jackson and i remember everybody like yeah he's been on four teams in in two years and blah, blah. but i'm like people don't realize that's but most of the NFL is actually like. Like it's not it's rare for you to stay on one team for your whole career. Like that never really happens. Especially today with you know with our people can like almost force their way to being traded out. Like back in the day, owners owners were like, I don't care. You got a contract, you stay here, we're not trading you. But nowadays they're more susceptible to, to trading guys, cutting guys and getting rid of guys. So it's it's a lot different. So everybody's like, Yeah, you know, you played on I think it was it nine teams in 10 years But I'm like, yeah, like five of those was in my first two years. Like right. y'all need to stop. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I no, literally like, playing for like three
0: teams. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> I, I remember it was a couple of years ago. I I, I want to say in, in NBA, was it Luke Ribnauer who got traded like four times in three days? Was oh, it- something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope he's, I hope he waited a week before he went anywhere. Cause like,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm done with that. That's, it's that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. But like, that's literally how most of the NFL is, especially if yeah. you're like a, a late round draft pick or not even that like say you're a fourth round pick and it just doesn't work out with the team you're with it's like you starting from square one like you're under at the free agent so like that's literally how most of the league works
0: yeah and then i have a, I have a question um so how, how did you end up with the jets
1: so my two years in jacksonville you know i was a a, a partial starter uh, especially my fourth year i became a full-time starter oh, Cool, and um um, they always have this thing and the fans don't really know about that is it's called a prove a year right so like as an undrafted guy they never want to give undrafted guys money unless they've shown consistent for like two to three years like a yeah. uh, uh, high draft pick could just have one good year and they give him all the money in the world, but that's why he went first round we saw them. B.S. Okay? Talking about you, Trubisky. See ya. <laughs> I don't know where you're playing next year. Bullshit. <laughs> For some reason, they always treat an undrafted guy like an undrafted guy, no matter how many years. Like the Victor Cruz. Like even if he's the Victor Cruz, like towards the end of his career, like he made his money with New York. But by the time he got to like Chicago, they were still treating him like he was an undrafted guy. And yes, he had a few injuries, but this guy had been to a couple Pro Bowls. Like it's crazy. Like the only guy that, that there's been a few guys, you know, like Brian Young. Undrafted so guy, um, I think, uh, um, for San Fran, yeah, or was he not? No, no, it was he, maybe, yeah. maybe not him. Um, who was a D tackle in Minnesota that's in the hall Randall? Randall, oh, John band. Randall, yeah, yeah. So he was one of the few guys, like, after he made a minute, Warner, started- Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner, yeah, yeah. that's a quarterback, though. Like, as a quarterback, you can be decent and get paid, so it, yeah, like- yeah, whole different- hopefully, Washington is scouting everywhere because I don't know what the hell is going on, <laughs> so like. To me, like Damon Snakes Harrison is a guy I'm really proud of. Like I had him his second year when I was with the Jets and I was going into my sixth year. He was he was he wasn't drafted? No, undrafted. Guy, saying, okay. Exactly. So he actually was treated with some respect. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He got he got that, you know, that second deal, and it was after he got that second deal, he was able to get an extension with Detroit. But then, you know, he went on and, and yeah. I think he's on Seattle now, right? Now, now he's in Seattle and he's with a good you know a winning team so uh, i think they're just waiting for him to make sure he's up to speed and everything and i wouldn't be surprised since they're coming out the bye to see him you know suit up this week yeah. uh, they put him on the practice squad i believe to get him in shape for like two or three weeks and yeah. and uh, he's been there for about two weeks now so yeah. i wouldn't be surprised that they call him up this week yeah. you know and
0: i think some other teams have inquired about him he said "Nah, i'm good so
1: exactly said, so and, and and that that gave me so much joy right for you to be able to be a free agent and be like nah I'm good. You know, yeah. I, you know, I'll wait and see, you know, and I, I, I literally talked to him like almost every day, every other day. And it was just good for him to be able to, to be like, you know, I'll make a decision when I'm ready, you know, to have that power. Right. Cause a lot of times they, they don't, they never want players to have that type of player yeah. that power. That one, that one. <laughs> but when you play at a high level is that he's played at and you can, you know, re, you know, demand that respect, that teams are willing to wait for you because you're that good. And and, that just gave me joy because, you know, it's hard for free agents to to climb that ladder to be able to be in that position. So uh, it's, it's just amazing to see stories like him that really pan out.
0: Yeah. So, so with the Jets, I'm asking about this year's Jets, since you played for the Jets and Giants, who's going to finish with a better record?
1: (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's like dumpster juice over fire. (laughs) So, honestly, I would have to say the Giants, just because the the, the, the NFC East is so bad that they could potentially maybe
0: I get think three and eight, I think three and eighteen outside of Dallas, three and fift, three fifteen and one outside of Dallas
1: at this point. Yeah, party. exactly. So like honestly, like I can see them maybe upsetting Philly one time, Dallas one time, and, and Washington one time. But I like honestly, I don't see the Jets beating anybody in the AFC East, right? Do As you think that we got out of that? They have the NFC West. And the yeah. AMC was they contend with. Yeah. Like no. that's the two hardest divisions in football. Like, yeah. who are they beating out of that out of those teams? No, Nobody. No. <laughs> COVID,
0: That's it. Um, that's what they're beating. Um, so with with the with the Jets, do you think they'll win a game? Because I've been looking at the draft this year. Washington slated to pick second, the Jets are picking first. They don't play each other, but yeah. I need the Jets to win three games. Do you think that's gonna happen?
1: <laughs> nah, they're not gonna win three. Two? I can see them winning maybe two. Honestly, I believe they have the Bills this week, if I'm not mistaken. The Bills are lost too straight. I think they're going to beat the Bills this week. If you believe me, I think they're going to beat the Bills this week. I'm just, I've been telling people from day one, you know, I pay for the Bills. I have love for Bill Ma- Bills Mafia. I don't trust Josh Allen. I've never had. Interesting. Um, people were so giddy about him the first four weeks of the season. I'm like, look at who he's playing. I'll give you the Rams game, but to me – the Bills, and not just the Bills, I think Josh Allen's a front runner as far as he can play well with the league, but if you ever see when any adversity hits, it goes downhill for him, right? So in that Rams game, they should have actually lost that game. That was a BS oh, yeah. call left <laughs> on that DPI. Like I said, a defensive pass interference, and they told rest before the season started that you should only make obvious calls. To me, if you couldn't tell, that was 100% yep. defensive, pass, especially on fourth down, one thing that as a player, you never want the game to be taken out of your hands. And that ref took it upon himself to take the game out of his hands. And now Bill's mafia came in and attacked me when I said that. And they were like, what about the, the, you know, the interception? That wasn't the interception. I was like, granted, that was a bad call. And I'll give you that. That was early in the second quarter, I think, but end of the second quarter. And a- after they turned the ball over, the Divas still had a chance to, you know, to stop, stop the Rams from scoring it and change that momentum. Meanwhile, on that defensive pass interference, they put the ball within the five-yard line with four downs to go. Like, you're against the eight ball as a defense right there with, with barely any time left on the clock either. So even if they, the Bills do score there, your offense has no chance, yep. to, you know, to, to put a score up to, to take the lead or tie the game to go into overtime. So I'm like, that's two totally different calls. Like, when the game's on the line, you cannot call that as a ref. Like, you can't take the game out of the hands of the players. I thought that was bullshit. So, it's, honestly – I thought after that Rams game, I was like, I, I'm trying to tell you. And it started with week one versus Jets when he had the two turnovers. That was a close ball. game, wasn't it? Close. I, I'm like, if that's not the Jets, they lose that game. If it's anybody else but the New York Jets, the Bills lose Maybe that game Washington, Maybe Washington. Was, Washington would blow the lead too. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I, would, I don't know. They won week one. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. They <laughs> had like seven sets. If it was anybody yeah. else, because the Jets can't even score. That's what I'm saying. At least Washington put up at least seventeen points. So I'm like, if that was anybody else but the Jets, the Bills lose week one. Honestly, so I'm like, see so y'all, everybody's on the, the bandwagon. They're like, well, he played the two best teams. They they played the Titans, and then he played the Bills. He played the Titans with the Titans having no practice for like ten days. You're telling me. You play the Titans that who had no practice for at least ten days, and they came out there and they had one at that middle school. They had that one middle school practice. They got in trouble for it. That's it. They got in trouble for it. And 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 they didn't just lose. They got drummed by the Titans. They got whooped. Like it wasn't like the game was close. So I'm like, we'll see. Like I'm calling it right now. Don't be surprised. Make sure you you tweet me out when I say. I got you. I got you. The Jets are going to upset the Bills this week. I'm calling it right now. Who do you think on the team is a
0: foundational piece besides Makai Beckton?
1: Okay. And that's it's funny that you asked me that, right? So I did an interview with ESPN Radio, was it last night or Monday night with Larry Hart, uh, Hardesty? Okay. And he asked me to talk about the New York Jets. And I think to me, the biggest issue is they don't, you know, they don't have an identity, right? Or a coach. Um, <laughs> You can say that or or whatever. Offensive. What do they call him? An offensive guru? Offensive guru. Okay. Yeah, I don't believe he's the right guy. I don't know where that came from him being an offensive guru. They got him. He got them. I'll tell you that. Like you said, besides Makai Bankton, like, who do they hang their hat on? And it's like, I feel bad for Sam Donald because another person that's had multiple, you know, offensive coordinators since he's been there, like, like, can you really put the blame on the kid? Now, I one know. thing he does need to do is stop turning the ball over in red zone. Yeah. Like, and I've been saying that since his rookie year, and people actually looked at me crazy when I compared him to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I got love for Fitzpatrick. I don't hate that. One, I don't hate it. One, one of my best teammates I've ever had. I'd go to war with that guy any day. But he's a gunslinger, and he always has been. You live by him, you die by him. And I feel like Sam Donald has some of that in him, and he had it at USC. And I said, to me, this kid, honestly, you can say all you want about him his competitiveness and him, you know, his arm talent. Um, Some people say he has arm talent. Some people say he doesn't, but his accuracy. One thing that really irks me is that he turns the ball over. And maybe that's just a defender in me because of the defense, you know, uh, you know, playing with Rex, we always had a good defense. We just needed the offense not to lose the game for us. Right. And you can't turn the ball over in the red zone because you're already giving up three points automatically or a field goal attempt. If you turn the ball over, that's like a 10 point swing. If they go down and score. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing that that's always irked me with Sam is is, is he definitely has shown that he could be a good player and he'll have some wild plays, right? Yeah. He'll have some flashes. wild throws. He'll have some wild throws. I mean, even that run on, uh, I believe it was that Thursday night yeah. game, anybody saw that in his arsenal. But he'll have, they'll have plays where he'll just throw the ball to the other team and it, and it irks you. And something as a quarterback in this league, there's something you really can't do. You can't turn the ball yeah. over. Yeah. And he's reckless with the ball at times. And so is Josh Allen. So that's why I don't, I don't trust him. And until he proves me wrong, I'm gonna stick to saying that.
0: Now with Darnold, I had an idea for a great Halloween costume last year, but I thought of it too late. Remember, remember the Monday Night game? Was, thing? No, when he had, so he saw ghosts. Oh wow! I was gonna go with Sammy Phantom.
1: <laughs> that's kind of funny. Right yeah, there. but it, I, I thought of it
0: like on November twelfth. It, <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, it was a little late. Um. Now I've seen flashes in him. Like he he shows flashes of greatness. He shows like, I remember, I'm pretty sure the first game, his first throw was a pick six and they won that game.
1: So he shows he's
0: got the confidence to come back and do that. Some of these other quarterbacks.
1: uh, I I do admire about him, right? He's Never too high, never too low. The game never gets too big. I mean, I think the only game that got big for him was that game versus New England where he saw the ghost, but other than that game through, through his first three years of his career, like, he has short-term memory. Here he's going to come back. But that's, but that's why I compared him to Ryan Fitzpatrick. because that's, that's, that's exactly how Fitz he plays. Like, He's never going to be down. You're going to get the same energy from that guy no matter what. He's going to play with excitement. Sam doesn't have as much excitement as Ryan Fitzpatrick has, but he's going to be even-killed, and he never gets too high or too low. And he's going to go out there and compete. I mean, he's been given a bad rap, and yeah. he's been put in a lot of bad situations. So I don't know how you accurately evaluate this kid because – Name some of his weapons besides Crowder. Like who is somebody he's throwing the ball to? Jesus, Literally.
0: You know, they got that one kid. From, the, the one kid from Gilman, and they got that?
1: Yeah. Oh my you know, god! But, oh know, yeah, they, they got they got Perryman. Yeah, but he's been hurt. Like, and, and that's been his uh, One of his issues for his career, like him staying oh, healthy. It.
0: Yeah, they, every week they say, "Oh, watch out for Herndon," and I go, "Where?" So and that
1: I, that kid, if anybody hurts me, it's him. I felt like that kid had so much ability. He should have been an all pro tight end, but you know, he's had the injury issue yeah. and he can't stay out. And then he has problems with drops and I don't understand it because this kid is, is literally costing himself a lot of money. Yeah. He yeah. have made lots of money. But Before the season, I was
0: talking to somebody. I said, "Who?" I forget who it was. And I said, who are your four breakout tight ends this year? And they said, Johnny Smith, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, and Chris Herndon. I'm like,
1: that actually that. was my my 4-2, my honestly, because yeah. I, I felt like Johnnie Smith He's a was going to take off, especially with um, Walker finally leaving. I felt like it was going to be – and it has been a big year for him so far. Hawkinson, yeah. I, I could see it happening, too, because you saw, you know, glimpses of it last I, year. Hawkinson needs Fent, to get
0: back to me on LinkedIn. He read my yeah. message and didn't respond. TJ, I'm talking Hawkinson.
1: <laughs> I already knew it, what it was going to oh, be. A phantom machine, him. yeah. We, we knew what it was going to be with him. But Herndon was my guy. I was like – Hearn is going to have a breakout year this year because everybody has been waiting for this kid for the last two or three years to stay healthy and really ball out. And this is finally going to be a year he does it. And he hasn't been healthy and he hasn't balled out. <laughs> Who's that kid they drafted, the receiver? I haven't heard his name once. Um. Oh, Mims, because he hasn't played. That's, that's another thing. I'm like, so how can you honestly evaluate Sam? Because literally each week he's playing and I have nothing against practice squad, but I started on the practice squad. But he's playing with guys that have been on practice squad and and, and, and haven't really been in game like situations like that. Now, as the seasons go on, those players will get better and better. But it's like when you're throwing to so many different receivers, it's hard to really build continuity. And I think that like it's almost comparable to like the Carson Wentz thing, right? Yeah, he had to deal do so much with so little there, yeah. and you know he gets a bad rap because of the interceptions, but you got to think he's down twenty one nothing every game. He has to like like throw hooks and jabs and everything to try to fight to get his way back in and every game he has shown that he can bring his team back and fight and tooth and toot the nail. You saw versus the Ravens, they were down big. Only lost that game at the end on the two point conversion that failed Like they were still in the game. And same thing with Pittsburgh, I think they were down by 21 and came back, had a chance to win that game. So like he's shown, I mean he has to turn stop with the turnovers too. But I mean you have to take chances when you're down big in games. Whatever happened to Mims, the, the rapper? I have no idea. What, he had one song that was a
0: hit. Yeah, yeah. What what was the song? I don't know. I'm on Wikipedia right now. But I'm to type the best thirty seconds. He I, had one song. He he got BET Hip Hop Awards Rookie of the Year, but for what? Um, they don't even put that. Wikipedia is failing here. No, but I wondered, yeah, now, as, as soon as I saw Mims, I'm like, damn, I haven't thought about Mims in about 12 years. that's um, Yeah. Yeah, no. That's, that's what, yeah, no yeah, they've
1: got some Berrios. I don't know what the hell you're getting for Braxton Berrios. Yeah, I mean, I feel like what, what hurt Berrios is when Crowder came back. Berrios was yeah. playing some of the best. Yeah. career. It's because he's the slot guy, right? But you got Crowder, who's one of the best slot guys in the league. You're not going to put Berrios in front of him. And, 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 you know, Crowder does most of his work in the slot. You don't yeah. want to put him on the outside. But Barrios has struggled on the outside. It's because they're almost, you know, I won't say the same player, but they're very similar. Yeah. And when when Crowder, it's no, it's no, um, you know. Oh, this no is player. why I'm hot.
0: This is why I'm hot. That's yeah, nice. I, was gonna say, I was about to say. This is
1: why I'm hot, right? But I didn't know if that was right. If Denzel uh-huh.
0: doesn't have that on his iPhone, he's doing something wrong. <laughs> I play that every no. day. Now it's, yeah.
1: it's no wonder why Barrios has struggled the last couple weeks because Crowder is back. Yeah.
0: Do you? think I'm
1: trying. What about, what's the Quentin Williams? What do you think of him? I really thought he was going to take a jump, you know, in his second year. And he showed spurts, you know, in a few games this year. But I really thought he could, you know, really grow and dominate this year. But, you know, with with the D-line being what it is, you know, we just lost one of our veteran, you know, players in Stephen McLennan to trade. I heard he drove from Tampa to Miami. You mean Miami to Tampa, yeah. Miami to Tampa. He didn't even get back on the plane. He drove straight from there. With <laughs> he goes,
0: "I'll, I'll see y'all. I'm out. I'm gone." I'll I think mean, he's you.
1: going back to a system where he's comfortable in with Todd Bowles, who brought him into to New York, and uh, he's more comfortable in that system. And you know, they lost via Vea, so they needed somebody to plug in next to Sue in that position. And I think he'll he'll do well for Tampa Bay, and he gets to go to a winning team. But getting back to Quentin Williams, it's just like you can't be the only guy, right? I mean. Uh, a lot of those other players haven't showed up. And that was a lot of thing, a lot that the fans, were, fan base was talking about. Like we haven't had a pass rusher, you know, we haven't had a defensive end get 10 plus sacks since 2013 when, when Calvin Pace did it Damn. and then Mo, Mo did it, but you know, he's an inside out guy and he did it in 2015, but those are the last two guys that have had 10 plus sacks. And I don't even think we've had anybody had an over eight sacks since then either. So it's like, they got rid of uh, Leonard Williams yep. to the cross town team. They traded him over there. So it's like, uh, yeah, you can kind of give get after Quentin Williams a little bit, but it's like, what other help does he have? You know, Jordan Jenkins is is a good pro. Yeah. He's not a guy that's going to give you eight or nine sacks though every year. Um, he's more of a run defensive end that plays really hard. And, and and then Henry Anderson, you know, when he when he got his, he's still he in the league. Paid. Yeah, he's still there when he got paid. Damn, was, I remember when he was on the Colts. When it, it's like he disappeared when he got paid, the year, the year he was going in the contract, and when he got traded from the Colts because they changed up the scheme, he played. He played a fuck. I think he played amazing. I believe he had almost eight sacks. Wow, and he got paid. And then we haven't really heard from him since then. Do you think they so after this
0: year, do you think if they get the number one pick, they should take Trevor Lawrence? You think they should give Darnold a try?
1: I just think it's hard for any team that has a number one pick not to pass up on Trevor Lawrence. I mean, um. Uh, it says, like, uh, if you got to keep, you got to keep, sometimes you got to just keep drafting quarterbacks until you got the right one. You look at Arizona, yeah. you know, I actually thought Josh Rosen was going to be probably the best quarterback out of that class, but he's been given a bad rap too. Yep. Like, he didn't really have a chance in Arizona. And then the next year, new coaching staff comes in and they decide that they're going to go with Kyler Murray yep. after literally the year before they just drafted him, right? Yep. So he's been bounced around a few bit and now he's in Tampa on practice Squad, which, which is probably one of the best things for yeah. him he could maybe be an heir apparent to Tom Brady down the road, you know, who, who knows how long Tom Brady is going to be there, but he's never really had like a, a veteran presence to learn from. Cause when he was in Arizona, he had to sit through, you know, being with Kyler, they didn't really have a veteran quarterback there. He had to sit with Kyler and then they, then he got traded to Miami and yes, they had fits there, but it's, it was like, he didn't know if he was going to be the starter or not. And it was up in the air week in and week out. So, I mean, it, it was, he's just been through a lot and that's, I think it's been a lot of disservice done to a lot of these young quarterback, Dwayne Haskins being another one. Yeah,
0: all right. That's, that's the one I, I was going to ask you player about
1: there, but no, a lot of times it falls on the coach. Like you, you have to be in the right system or you're going to fall by the wayside. Do you think the Washington
0: football team has failed Haskins or what do you, what do you think of that? A hundred percent. I mean, if you look at his
1: act, like the coach said he didn't even want him. Like. Well, he, that, he wasn't even the there. real coach. He was like Gruden was but, gone. Yeah, it doesn't matter, when your head coach comes out and says that like. Right then and there, you, like, you fail the player right then and there. Whether you, like, just the same thing in, in New York with Le'Veon Bell. After the kid, after the, he gets signed, like, whether you want him or not, he's on your team. Like, yeah. find a way to use him. Be productive. Do your job as a coach and put him in the best um, position where he can actually make plays for you. He's one of the best running backs out of the out of the backfield. How you don't line him up outside or give him at least four or five passes a game is, is baffling to me. And with the Dwayne Haskins thing, like, whether you wanted him or not, supposedly Bri- Bill O'Brien didn't want Deshaun Watson. Well, Bill O'Brien's gone, and Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the in the league for a reason, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, you would have to say that Bill O'Brien probably had to swallow his pride and decided to, you know, coach Deshaun up, whether he wanted him or not. And it panned out right for them, right? They, they, I think they were back to back AFC South champions, yeah. and you know they haven't gone far in the playoffs, but yeah. they were they were a second half away from you know beating Kansas City yeah. last year. And, um, I think it's, you know, these coaches have done these players a disservice. Like whether you agree with the GM or not, you yeah. is the a coaching team that's on the field you need to coach them to the best of your ability. I got a question for bell. When, when he dropped that mixtape
0: that one night at, mi- at midnight, did you, did you listen to that and go, oh, he's going to the jets?
1: Well, I knew he was, you know, I, I was inside it then that was my, first oh, you podcast. knew, and yeah, I knew he was coming. To oh, the jets. all right. I was listening uh, to that. I'm like, I, I don't been, hear anything. Yeah. Yeah. I had been, I had been, I had been talking to him and I had been kind of pubbing for him to go there and. Maybe I feel a little bit bad because all the stuff he had to he's do. He's doing all right now. He's in KC. I'm. I think he's, he's in Kansas right. City now. He's a, he's a lot richer, you know, and playing. He's playing for what a million dollars, maybe two, depending on if he's. He get a ring. But yeah, he can get a ring, and also, you know, the Jets are paying most of his salary this year, so yeah. he's not tripping about that. But when he came in, I thought that would be the best pickup for the New York Jets because they were, everybody was so worried about the pressure on Sam Donald, but what what better security blanket it is on third and short and third and five to just dump it off to the running back and have him make a play in the open field. But, you know, with Gates, they just never really, you know, used them in the right way. They never ran them the right way, and the scheme didn't fit for him. But I think in Kansas City, that's a perfect scheme for him. He'll be able to – I don't know if you saw the game. Versus the Bills this last weekend, that offensive line, and it was nothing but backups on the Kansas City offensive line. They mauled the Bills defensive line, literally. Bottom. I think they had 46 carries. Anytime you have that many carries in a game, most likely you're going to win the game because you're controlling the clock and running the ball down people's throats because you're not going to run the ball that many times unless it's, you're effective with it. And they were highly effective with it. So I, that, that they were, kind of reminded me of, you know, when he was in his Pittsburgh days when they were just staying on double teams and, and Clyde Edward, Edward Jallera was just finding holes. And I think he he felt a little pressure, you know, by Levy Vaughn coming because that was the best game of the year for him so far.
0: So I want to get back on Haskins. This this is my evaluation as somebody who's never played football, just watching. He looks looks a little bit off-kiltered when a rush is coming. They they don't have anything to work with. The the offensive line is a pastor. Trent Williams is in uh, uh, San Francisco. Outside of Terry McLaurin. They just signed Robert Foster, who I'm very excited about. I don't think the Bills ever gave him a chance. He can ball. I've seen flashes similar to Darnold. But Do you think he should have been more vocal saying, I need help in the
1: offseason? I mean, can you really come out and say that? Because I mean, Don Sherlindon was the best receiver they brought on, yeah, yeah, but but you gotta but you gotta look at it like he's a rookie quarterback. I know he's supposed to be you know seen, not heard, and and he had kind of a rocky start to his rookie career. Like, you can't really, yeah, because they would have painted him like Baker, you know, how Baker got all that flack, you know, for for, for damn commercials were on. (laughs) <laughs> it's mean it's it's talking, wait, and you see how much flack he's getting for all this yeah. right now, right? And it's and it's crazy to think that they're four and two, right? So imagine yeah. if they were like like watching one and whatever they are, right? One and five. Season's one,
0: over. I'm ready for the draft.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. like they would. <laughs> I mean, they benched him this last game, so we'll see going forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's hard for, for to say that they, that they wouldn't start Baker this upcoming week. I I think it's almost impossible to say yeah. that, especially being four to two and and still in the playoff hunt like yeah they have one of they're in the, one of the hardest divisions in football besides Cincinnati who you know they have a you know a great outlook with Joe Burrow yeah. but besides that you know that's you know I hate to say any team's a win but you know Cincinnati looks like a win for for, oh, for yeah and they got them again this week so okay yeah. if, it's, if there's any team that you make everybody feel better again it's yeah it's New York Jets and Cincinnati Bengals so, yeah. so those are those are two teams you know that when you have them on the schedule, and like I said, you have to come to, to, to play every Sunday. Yeah, there's a, there's a game you're like, yo, we can win that game, and we can get this feeling back. And yeah, I think it's a get right game for the for Buff, uh for the Browns because you know they they really got smacked up by Pittsburgh. Like the two the two other division teams that they're chasing in this division in Baltimore and Pittsburgh, they they got smacked up pretty bad versus those two teams.
0: Yeah, honestly, if I was Ron Rivera, I would have given Hastings until Week Six because you're going you're going one and five against an Owen. What well, have been one and four against an Owen five Giants team. Yeah, Jones doesn't really. Jones has a little bit more options to work with on offense, but that's that's where I want to see him compete for him to yeah, not even be that, active.
1: Kind of irked me too, and I understand Ron. You know, doing it wasn't his guy. He didn't bring him on. Yeah. But it's yeah. like it's kind of like what we talked about it, right? Like you inherited that team, you inherited yeah. the first round pick. Yeah, don't do a disservice by benching this kid that early. Like he hasn't had close to a full season either season. Like he didn't play till late last year, and he only gave him what four games this year. And yeah. then like he won the first game. I mean, your defense played out of its mind. Yeah. I'll give you that. But he still he still didn't lose it for him. You know what I'm saying? And then Kyle Allen, you know. Didn't do much better versus the Giants. Now the Giants defense has been a lot better than it was yeah. last year. But for I think they only, they didn't even score what, 17 points or something like that? Like, I think it was 20, what was it, 2019? 2019. Yeah. Like, so you didn't even put 20, up 21 and you lost the game. So you're telling me the way Haskins couldn't have played that game? Like Well, one of, one of the reports out of the locker
0: room after they benched Haskins was that he was against the Baltimore game that – he I think he finished with like 300 yards or something and even though they lost to Baltimore they would report saying that he was kind of like giddy about his stat line in locker room would that have pissed you you off as a guy like we just lost this game like chill
1: hell yeah that's why I said that's why he couldn't say nothing because like when you're a rookie a young player your job is to be seen not heard yeah, like yeah what the hell are you giddy about that you threw for 300 yards We just got our ass whooped yeah. literally they got whooped that game like so it's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: And then so I want, I want to, before I forget, I want to ask you about your podcast. So can you tell me a little bit about like why, why you decided to get into
1: it and a little bit of what, what you're doing? So, yeah, I have multiple podcasts. I'll get into the one that, that I'm currently doing right now. I mean, I'm currently doing them all, but the the UCF podcast is called two nights, one podcast. It's, it's me and my other host, Scott Adams, we sit down. And it's all about UCF football. Right. Okay. So we, um, each week we have an opponent and we go over, um, Keys to success and and things that and then we we pre not preview but we go over the previous games and, and we talk about why the knights won or why they lost and some of the things that they could do a little bit better and then I always try to get a guess from the opponent's team that went to that school so uh, this week we have Tulane and earlier we shot the podcast episode and we had Orleans Darkwar on there. Oh, he and went, there. He went there. Yeah, he went to Tulane. Uh, we played ECU earlier in the year. I had Chris Johnson. Hey. They- Georgia Tech, uh, uh, had, we played Georgia Tech the first week. I had Derek Morgan on. and we always. I've been to trying to get him, him. him
0: forever. I reached out. He's doing like some financial thing now. I, I
1: reached yeah. out. I, 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 dude, he's a legend. He's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked about that, what he's doing all the field. And we also talked about Georgia Tech versus UCF. And it's it's really fun. And we try yeah. to keep it nice and light. Um, we, we accept questions from people. So, if you guys want to hit us oh. on Twitter, two, guy, uh, two nights, one podcast, you can listen to us. Also, on all your podcast, uh, you know, channels, uh, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, we're on all of that. So definitely give it a listen. And then I have the Anything Is Docible uh, podcast. And with that podcast, I really wanted to use my platform to shed light on some of the positivity that a lot of the NFL players are doing. Cool. So I've had guests like Deion Dawkins the tackle from Buffalo yeah. Bills, Carlos Dunlap. The defensive end. I had super during Super Bowl week. I had Art Eric Armstead. Oh, cool. I had Steph Gilmore right before he won Defensive Player of the Year, and I knew he was going to win. Yeah. Uh, and I literally just talk about we just talk about football, and we talk about the person who they are outside of football because a lot of, of fans know who who players are outside of football. So we really discuss who they are outside of football and their likes and dislikes, and then also. If they're into any like charitable things, and you know, Eric Armstead is really big and has always been vocal about all the work he does in his hometown of Sacramento. Um, Steph Gilmore does a lot with the Boys and Girls Club because that's yeah. where he went, you know, growing up. He does a lot of stuff in the Boston area with, with the Boys and Girls Club, and we discussed that because I think yeah, so many times that you know they only talk about the negativity that you know player NFL players get and, and and they do and then like 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 it's like with anything right not every not everybody's a bad apple but uh you know that stuff really gets you know really highlighted when something bad happens with an NFL player so I want to use my platform to, to show some of the positivity that a lot of these players are doing and, and highlight that. And then my lot la- my last thing I have a cooking show is called Cooking with Chef Dudes. Uh a lot of people don't know this or I guess a lot of people do know this if you follow me on social media. I'm an amateur chef so uh with with my anything is doable podcast i usually take my guests this is pre-covid of course i usually take my guests into the kitchen with me and cooking you know starting around super bowl time i started you know doing the video instead of having them come in you know sit in my living room and and have this conversation we would do it over you know skype or or zoom or or or, you know um facetime record it and then i would you know cook do a cooking show in their honors and, and cook cook something that I think that they would enjoy. So that's what I do. And you can check that out on YouTube and also Instagram TV, Cooking with Chef Dudes. Also, anything is doable is on everything, Apple, iHeart, Spotify, and YouTube. So you can check that out too. Cool, 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 man. And then so how can people find
0: you on uh, social media to finally keep up with you and keep up with everything you're doing?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's at Liger, L-E-G-E-R, D as in dog, O-U-Z-A-B-L-E. And that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They're all the same. Cool, 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 man. Well this has been a blast,
0: man. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. I'm hoping the Jets win four games. I'm telling and- you, I believe. Hold on, let's
1: let's look that up. I believe that they have the bill. Right, I'll pull up they- the schedule. I'll pull up the schedule real
0: quick. Let's see this. Let's see
1: right. So Bills, you like the uh, Jets. You like- well, this is in this could be breaking news for you. The Jets are really is like a fire So They're trading everybody. They just traded linebacker, Jordan Willis. Who was already uh, brought from Cincinnati uh, earlier last year was, I have to believe, a third round pick defensive end. The Bills just, I mean, the nine is just traded for him, so it's almost like a fire sale <laughs> for the Jets. They literally are getting rid of everybody. So our, our you know, last year we had Tanker for two. Is it Tanker for, for for Trevor Lawrence this year? I think so.
0: this is off the top. They're not they're not beating the Chiefs. Um, so is it the Bills this week? I Bills this week. I, I know you like the Bills versus them, and it's in New York. I like the Jets. I, I could playing. see them up upsetting Miami if is playing and he's not really getting
1: yeah, Tua, And Pitts is playing, no way. But in Tua, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Tua, maybe the Raiders.
0: That's the kind of game everybody's like, oh, the Raiders are going to win. And the Raiders let you down.
1: Yeah, last year the Jets beat the dog crap out of the Raiders. And I called it. Nobody, everybody looks <laughs> crazy. They're not beating Seattle. Rams,
0: Browns, we don't know if they're legit yet. Patriots, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm just hoping they win more than Washington. So we'll see what happens. But so yeah. so
1: you, want, you want Trevor Lawrence. So oh, yeah. Much. I, I, <laughs> it's you know, just crazy. So it's like, right? Say say the top four, top three picks are I think Lawrence for the New York teams and Washington. Do all three of them consider taking Lawrence? Like and I, trading their trading their quarterback?
0: If Daniel Jones can stop turning the damn ball over, I think they might look at the kid from um uh Oregon. Or oh the Sewell, tackle Sewell. Sewell.
1: Tackle. Sewell.
0: Cause I, I, Cause don't think, I don't see, think, I don't think them or Donald
1: out there and the kid from North Dakota state. What do you think of him? Cause he's had one year and then I he had like one him. game. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. Uh, I think we'll learn more if he goes to the senior bowl, which I think he should go to. Cause even Carson Wentz went to the senior bowl and yeah. he didn't have to. Uh, I like him though. Big athletic kid with a strong arm and you know how it is in the NFL these days, you gotta have, a you have to have some mobility about you. And, and this kid has shown, and I've talked to a few scouts that said, you know, if, if if Trevor Lawrence is one, then at two, Justin Fields and this kid are like neck and neck. Like some teams have the North North Dakota State kid ranked a little higher. Some kids have, you know, Justin Fields ranked a little higher. So uh we, we, who's to say which guy goes before them. Um a lot of people thought that um the kid from uh, the kid from the Chargers, uh Her- Herbert He's was gonna go Harvard. before him. Yeah, and I actually thought he should go before Herbert. I mean, before Tua, but that didn't end up happening. I believe he went, what, a pick after him? No. Or two picks after him? Yeah. And yeah, He's been playing literally, like, on another level for a rookie. You would he not need, know. He really need to get some skin cream,
0: and then he'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to somebody he, last week, and I said, hey, they got all these billboards in L.A. You're telling me, Akibu can't find one and sign that kid? Give me a break with that. I,
1: I guarantee he's working on that deal because it's L.A. He's going to get that deal.
0: No, They're gonna yeah.
1: work on him and you'll be all right but you, you tell that. i mean that proves that that's how young he is right yeah
0: <laughs> who's who's the best dn in this year's draft oh uh, i know i know wake has a kid
1: yeah wake has a pretty good kid penn state has a pretty good kid oh yeah you know, uh, parsons yeah yeah um hmm, that's a good question man um there's a lot of good lot of i mean every year there's 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 good D linemen. Um I might have to do a little bit more research before yeah. I give you a definitive answer <laughs> on who I think is going to be the best DN coming out cuz like you know people always want to rank people so high in the beginning of the year and you know that that can change drastically towards the end of the year